Come, Holy Spirit, touch our minds and think with them. Touch our lips and speak with them. And touch our hearts and set them on fire with love for thee. Amen. It's wonderful to be here for your patronal feast. And it's not the first time I've been here for this, but it's the first time I've had this particular vista as I've looked out. Uh, it's a sign of progress, right? Uh, a sign of things changing. And for that, we give thanks uh, on this day as we give thanks for the ministry of this community and congregation. I, I, I developed a practice early on in ministry, and it particularly became important uh, as bishop because very often I would get these patronal feasts and, and return to the congregation a couple years later, a year later, and it, it's just a good idea to look back on what you've preached before, lest your mind go the same way and you find yourself essentially preaching the same thing. Somebody might come up and say, you need some new material or something like that. So I did that. And what I realized was a couple years ago when I was here, I, I had done a little research on this business of angels. Some of you all may remember it. And I found some polling data. Uh, and the polling data suggested at that time, this is 2013, that more people believed in angels than in God. And so today I come to you with good news. Today more people believe in God than angels. Unfortunately, more people believe in less and less all the time. And both percentages have fallen. So more people believe, less people rather believe in God and less people believe in angels. The curious thing, this is a Harris poll, by the way, the curious thing is that more people believe in Darwin and evolution, more people believe in reincarnation, and this is the one that sort of knocked my socks off. More people believe in UFOs. So what's up with that? Well, on the forum we were talking about sort of the secularization of our culture, and that's certainly part of it, and something that we have to grapple with. But maybe, just maybe, there's something we can do. Maybe, just maybe, on this day when we hear of Nathaniel and Philip's encounter, there's a new, there's something, it's a message to us, the church. Now, to, to get a sense of, of what happens with Nathaniel and Philip and Jesus, permit me to to back up just a couple of more verses in this first chapter of John. Because what's just happened is referred to. Philip and Nathaniel meet, and Philip says, gosh, I've met this great guy, Jesus. And Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Galilee? And Nathaniel, uh, Philip's answer is to come and see. And so Philip is sort of grudgingly coming He's a bit cynical, man with no guile. He comes, and Jesus seems to give him a little bit of a, oh, I don't know, hocus-pocus, that he saw his encounter with Philip under the fig tree. And Nathaniel's response is, well, you must be the one, the son of the living God. And Jesus is, if we put it into 21st century parlance, we might say that Jesus said to Nathaniel, you ain't seen nothing yet. Angels will be coming and descending and ascending into heaven. You'll see essentially 
the breach between the two opened up and heaven coming to earth and earth to heaven. You will experience the Christ moment. I think this image, this scene with Nathaniel, brings into some relief what we're experiencing today. And that is this. Even in our moments of affirmation, even in our moments of faith, we can often, too often, be a people of low expectations. You come to St. Michael's. You experience this beautiful liturgy. You receive the sacrament. And I would posit this. For me, for all of us, we still ain't seen nothing yet. God is still the God of surprise. God is still the God that takes us and transports us from our mortal lives into eternal lives. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Now, folks, I'm from the South. And in the South, I'd get an amen at least. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to stretch it, stretch you. and I don't want anybody to hurt themselves today. But seriously, do we believe that? Because here's the real deal. Out in the world, there are lessons that are being taught. This is what we talk about secularism. We talk about the work of Satan. This is what it really looks like. There is a power that wants us to be the power of one. We, we have these things. I've got one. Fortunately, I left it in the sacristy. These, these mobile devices. And what do they cause us to do? Not to connect with people. And the, and the illusion is that I'm connecting with you as I do this. Go to the airport and look at what everybody is doing as they sit next to each other. And relationships become less and less connected. We're one. I, I, I. And then, you look a little deeper and my, my image of this is what happens to my mailbox these days. I get catalogs from businesses that I have not only no interest in, but never have heard of. And many of them I just toss away. And many of them I sort of look at and think, oh, okay, I guess I could use that strange object that I've never heard of in my life and pull out my credit card. It's sort of as if our philosophy of life is the person with the most toys wins. And then we look at how we handle our aging and our advancing years. We fight death to the end. Now, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't take care of ourselves or try and be healthy, but we seem to deny that death is a part of living. And so medical costs soar and it seems to take over existence. Do you really believe what Jesus taught? Let's, let's think about some of the things. He said that whenever two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be in the midst of them. You don't have to be one. It's not about I. It's about we. It's about the ecclesia, the assembly of God. It's about being the body of Christ, that's where joy can be complete. We say, he says to us, it is in 
giving that you receive. It's not the one with the most toys wins. It's the one who gives away the most is really the one that receives the most, that is the most alive, the one that has the most abundant life. And it's not all about this life. It is in dying. It is in dying that you live. And how about the one that tops it all? It is in weakness that we find power of God. That's what we believe. And so, dear ones, in a few moments, because some of you are coming up in a moment of prayer and hope that God's Spirit will be bountiful in this place to be confirmed and received, we're going to remember our baptismal covenant, each of us. And in and, and my my sense is it's in that those vows that we make that we get the the touchstones for the way through this world that really is a way of good news it is a way of transforming first and foremost ourselves in community but transforming ourselves in community not for ourselves but for the world that God gave Jesus and for which Jesus gave his life that's what it's all about. In giving, you receive. In dying, you rise to eternal life. Through weakness, the power of God is felt. That's what we believe. And that's what will change the world. So get ready. God is up to something. God is moving in our midst. The Holy Spirit is to descend upon this place at this time to be sure on those to be confirmed and received. But the Holy Spirit is blessedly messy. It's going to be on all of us. It already is. If you think what we've already received, if you think Jesus predicting what Nathaniel experienced in the fig tree, if you think that's something, you ain't seen nothing yet. So what do you say? Come. Come and see.